This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to a new episode of Set Listening Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is John. Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Jesse. Glad to be here. I am so uh, glad you're here. Thanks for putting up with a little technical ability. At least we got it early. Um, as I was telling you, I have had a couple of people... Um, in fact, my most famous one, I had someone from Australia, and we talked for an hour, and then when I went to record it, it was unusable. And you're just like, no, do you know how hard it was to try to make that go? So I'm glad you're here. So, John, tell me a little about yourself. Let's get us started, give it a little bit of your background, and then tell me about growing up. What kind of music you liked listening to when you were a kid, your family? Yeah, that sounds great, Jesse. Once again, my name is John Munson, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been down here in the desert for about 30 years now. Um, I grew up in the Seattle area, and that's actually where I first um, discovered Bruce. And um, I guess when I was a... So I was actually born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then when I was seven years old, uh, moved to Seattle and um, raised by a single mother. Um, you know, the kind of music we listened to in the house growing up, um, she was a big fan of Frank Sinatra, and she also liked um, various types of jazz. So that was kind of playing on the household. And then I, came, I think I started following music when I was about eight years old. And I think like a lot of us, um, you know, it kind of started with uh, uh, AM radio top 40. Right. And and just to give you an idea, I'm 51 years old now. So okay. uh, I'm a 1964 baby, graduated from high school in uh, in 1983. So, okay. you know, around the mid 70s is when I kind of discovered uh, music on a really simple AM transistor radio. And uh, I guess that was about the time that Born to Run was out, but I had no idea who Bruce Springsteen was. Um, yeah, um, and I've shared this before, but I'm the same way, John. You know, born in 59, graduated high school in 77. You know, that AM Top 40 radio was what I lived with. Yeah. You know, and so um, same thing. I, you know, I had no idea really about Bruce till 1980, uh, you know, when The River came out. So um, interesting. So um, did you have – you know, graduating like in the early 80s, did you 
have favorite bands or people you loved music well um as i got older you know like i said um similar to probably a lot of us our age um you know the the, the highlight uh, before age, you know, 13 was uh, Sunday night, Casey Kasem, American Top 40. And that was the kind of music I was listening to. And then it was kind of funny when I got into uh, eighth grade. Um, so, you know, middle school, junior high, all of a sudden, uh, you know, kids were telling me that it wasn't cool to listen to pop music or, you know, you should listen to more album oriented rock. And so they said, you know, listen to FM radio, and I didn't have an FM radio in my house, but uh, I, I I tracked one down, and um, so, you know, the the format that was real popular then in you know 1978-79 was more album oriented rock, and I think some of the groups that I was attracted to, uh, I, I liked I like Led Zeppelin a lot, and um, uh, the Who, and uh, the Cars were starting to be big and and in my junior high school another big band that a lot of people liked was Van Halen they had come out with two uh, albums I think one in 77 the other one in 78 um, so uh, just there wasn't really one band I was attracted to I just really enjoyed uh, rock music and I, I really enjoyed the um, album oriented format um, what really was the the big shift for me was um, in uh, in October of 1980, uh, October 1980 was my 16th birthday, and uh, when my mom said, "Well, what do you want for your birthday?" I said, "You know, I've never been to a rock and roll concert. I'd like to get tickets um, to a concert for my birthday." And so, you know, this was this was in the days where you know you didn't call for tickets or you didn't go online. You basically went down to the the the, the, the local ticket box office and um, we kind of looked at the concert calendar and there was uh, coming through the Seattle area in October. Uh, there was only two band or there was two performers, um, Elton John and Bruce Springsteen. And at that time, uh, I, I definitely knew who Elton John was, but he was more kind of a softer music. And that, right. that wasn't something that the, the, the album oriented rocker wanted to uh Right. To go see. And then with with regards to Bruce, to be honest with you, Jesse, and by the way, Bruce was the show I picked. Yes, I figured. <laughs> Spoiler um, alert. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, really, at that time, I, I knew Born to Run and Rosalita. Those were probably the only two songs I knew by name. Now, on the radio station I listened to, they played a lot of other Bruce songs. I just didn't know. The titles, you know, they played songs like Promised Land, uh, Candy's Room, um, uh, 10th Avenue Freeze Out. So I was familiar with them. I just didn't know them by name. But but what what made me say, hey, I want to go see Bruce Springsteen was, you know, I don't know much of his music, but I've heard a rumor that he's a really good performer. Right. Um, so uh, so uh, October 24th, 1980, uh, it was a Friday night. Um Went down to uh, went down to the Seattle Center Coliseum, and um, boy, just really really enjoyed the show. And um, I didn't have anything to compare it to because that really was my first rock concert to go to. Though you know, 
when I got back to school the next week, people said, well, who's the opening act? And I said, well, there is no act. It was one, you know, the yeah. street band played, you know, three hours and it was phenomenal. Um, uh, anyway, I, I really enjoyed the show. And just to give you an idea, um, he didn't, it was the river tour. The, the river came out um, like the first couple weeks of October. So the river had only been in stores for a couple weeks. Um, he didn't play the entire album like he is on the 2016 tour, but yeah. there were six, 16 of the 20 songs from the river were played at that show. Wow. So he was really heavy on the new album. And then it was mixed with um, a lot of songs from darkness and, um, and then maybe three or four songs from uh, born to run uh, Rosalita more traditional. It, it, it was a lot like the, you know, a lot of the lineup that was on the darkness tour also, um, but, but, but Jesse, that really, um, you know, lit the spark for me, uh, the, the day I, I didn't have any Bruce Springsteen albums, but the day after the concert, I ran down to the record store, bought Born to Run, um, saved up my money. The next week I, I went out and, and bought Darkness, uh, and it just kind of followed from there. Uh, a few weeks later, I bought The River and, uh, I was trying to think by Christmas, I had, um, I had received both uh, Wild Innocent, Wild Innocent, and East Street Shuffle, and then on Christmas Day, I, I got um, uh, greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. You got to remember, back in those days, there was only five albums, so it took yeah. me a couple months to accumulate it. But at that point, I, I kind of had the you whole. Had his collection. Yeah. Um, who did you go with to the concert? Uh, you know what I went to? I, I went with a, a friend from high school. Yeah. And. Um, she she thought the show was okay, but uh, uh, it, it really had it really had a stronger impression on me. Uh, as you know, since you have been kind enough to share, you listen to the podcast. Um, I repeat that often. The common held there's two types of people: the people that go to a Bruce show and go, "Oh, that was pretty good." And then the people that go, oh, my goodness, I want to go and see him every time I can. And I think your story is exactly a perfect example, right, of, you know, you're both about the same age, both same culture. And she goes, yeah, it was good. And you went, oh, my goodness. Um, I, I have an episode that I've recorded, but we haven't – I haven't put out yet. I talked to a guy named Richard Hunter. Um, he used to be a, um, a talk show host here in Dallas. He now does a, um, a um, UFC podcast, and he covers UFC fighting. And he's been a longtime Springsteen fan, and he talked about he was about 16, and he won a contest um, to fly to Toronto – to see a Bruce Springsteen show. And this was, he'd never seen Bruce, did not know any songs, had gone to a lot of shows. He was always big into music. And so his dad went with him because he was underage. And he said two hours into the show, during the final song, during that two hour period, uh, Richard looked over his dad and said, this is the greatest concert I've ever heard. He says, and then Bruce said, okay, that's the first half. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a little bit. Oh, and he was just blown away. So uh, that's awesome. Um, no, Jesse, one thing um, 
you know, back in 1980, and you said that you, you know, you were you in, were you in Texas in 1980 when the river came out? I was actually in Louisiana. Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about about uh, Louisiana in the southeast, but you know, in 1980, even though Bruce had quite the following in the Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York area, uh, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, he had enough of a following to um, to sell out the Coliseum, but you know when I when I was a sophomore in high school, and like I said, after a few months of listening to these records, I really, really felt like, you know what, this is really great music, and this really stands out, in my opinion. It was a lot, it was a lot deeper than the other stuff that my friends were listening to, and and just the storytelling really inspired me. Um, but I didn't know any other Bruce Springsteen fans in high school, and I think for for the for the teenager, he hadn't really caught on yet and I mean like I said you know they played his songs on the radio stations we listened to but you know the 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 the, the popular bands in my school were more kind of the metal bands more of the heavy metal bands and uh, um, so it was kind of funny because I really didn't have anyone to share Bruce with for for the longest time um, uh, once once I got to college in 1983 there was you know I, I met more people um, that that really appreciated Bruce's music and, and so that was in the fall of 83 and then you know the, the world changed in my opinion in, in June of 84 and I think probably that was the rest of the country where Bruce kind of uh, evolved from you know a, a popular rock star to to really a, 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 pop, a pop culture uh, icon um, you know, just I think with, um, you know, the, the, the iconic cover of the Born in the USA, it was an election year, the Olympics were going on, yeah. um, MTV was starting to get a lot of traction, and, uh, you know, in early 84, they came out with the Rosalita video, and then later on in July, they came out with the Dancing in the Dark video that has kind of become iconic through the years. Yeah. Um, so things really changed in 84, but before that... Um, you know, Bruce fans were, were hard to come by. I totally agree with you. Um, I had never heard of him. Uh, and I was on a date with Jill Shakespeare. Uh I was, this is after 77, <laughs> so I was in college. Um, and we were at a um, Kenny Rogers concert. And they were playing Darkness as before the show as the roadies were setting yeah. up the album you know setting up the stage and she was she was really impressed with it and she went and got the album and then i was still into i had just recently discovered the beach boys and was just obsessed with brian wilson and those music and then when i started dating linda who's now my wife um, she had a good friend, Lisa Mesh, who had gone to school on the East Coast and came back and sang, talking about this Bruce Springsteen, how he's the greatest thing ever. And um, so I certainly knew a little bit of him with Hungry Heart, and I bought The River, um, did not buy Nebraska, had no thoughts about it. But then, like you said, everybody in the world bought Born in the USA. Yeah. And the it, secret was out at that point. Yes, it was. And he just was 
everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, um, like I said, I I bought the uh, complete catalog. Um, Keep in mind, there was only five albums at that time within a few months. And, and, you know, really, really enjoyed this music. And I was hungry for more. And and that was the big challenge is like, okay, when is the new album going to come out? And we just kind of waited and waited. And, and there were a couple of, um, uh, between between the river and Nebraska, there was actually a couple good albums that came out with the E Street Band, the Gear U.S. Bonds albums. Um, there was one in uh, 1981 called Dedication. And then in 1982, uh, another Gear U.S. Bonds album, On the Line. And if... You know, if people haven't heard them before, they're definitely worth getting because it's basically the E Street Band um, backing up uh, Gary U.S. Bond's vocals. Um, most of the songs, or I don't say most, but at least half the songs are written by either Bruce or Steve Van Zandt. Um, so just really good albums. Um, but other than that, it was kind of, um, I, I was really, I was real anxious for that next Bruce album to come out. And Today I look back at Nebraska because that was the that was the album I was anticipating, and um, you know, uh, Nebraska is a great album, and I think it was so unique at the time that it was basically an album that Bruce recorded off a, a TAC tape deck, um, and so it got a lot of rave reviews from the critics in 1982. But for for an 18-year-old kid that had been waiting a couple years to get an acoustic album. Um, I know I was a little disappointed. I was looking for another river and, and I like Nebraska as an 18 year old, but it, it just wasn't, it was, it was definitely nothing I was going to share with my friends. We, we, it's, it was, but, um, but anyway, it was one of those things where today I think it's, it's, it's a, it's obviously a great album, but. So John, I am so glad you brought this up because it reminds me and I have not thought of this in a long time. You know, I just was sharing with you, I was obsessed with Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys. So I was digging, and you know, this was back 79, 80, there is no internet. Right. You know, you're just trying to find out, you know, by buying magazines or going to, you know, the library or bookstores to try to find where the albums were. Uh, you know, now then it's very clear, right? You you go, hello, Mr. Google, list me the albums and what I should do. Um, so there had been a lot of talk about Pet Sounds and how amazing Pet Sounds was. And when I bought it, I remember going, really? I But this doesn't say, there, there's no surf music on it. There's no, yeah. you know, there's no, uh, I get around. And, um, and now then, I, I, it's absolutely one of my favorite albums, and I will definitely make the argument that it's in one of the greatest albums of all times. But I wasn't ready for it yet, and I think Nebraska is the same thing. If you're just a um, – even if you're a dedicated fan, though, but that age, you know, you're right. I want another river. <laughs> and I believe the record company was feeling the same way. They were going – Okay, this was cute, Bruce, but uh, can we get an album with the band now? Yeah, so, uh, that's well, awesome. They, and and they, def, they definitely got that with uh, yes. 
uh, Born in the USA and all the singles that came off Absolutely. that. So. <laughs> so, John, you talked about your first show. Uh, how many times have you seen him perform, and did you see him when he was in your neck of the woods this tour? Uh, Jesse, I attended my 25th show uh, three weeks ago on okay. March 10th here in Phoenix. Good. Um, Jesse, though I've heard you say this on your podcast before, you really can't judge how big a fan is by the number of shows they've Absolutely. gone to. Because there's just kind of a, a facts and circumstances with everyone, whether it's family commitments, financial commitments, um, but I'm grateful for the 25 shows. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for the 25 shows I've got to go see. And, and John, I'm so glad you repeated that because it's true. And I, I always ask the question just for the context. And it certainly isn't, you know, I had Allie on um, a few weeks ago, and she, um, we have another episode coming up um, when she was talking about Madison Square Gardens, the one that happened Monday night, the makeup show. And, you know, she's done over 200 shows, but it, it you really can't. That isn't a measuring stick. It's just a factor. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of the River Tour? Uh, you know what? Um, I was I was impressed, and I liked it a lot. And I, you probably were pretty confident I would say that. Yes. But you know, but you know, just... I, I would have been shocked. I, I, will, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yes. I know sooner or later I'm going to ask someone and you go, eh, it was okay. You know, Jesse, I didn't – obviously, um, you know, not only was I, you know, reading the reviews off um, Backstreets.com, but, you know, the nights there were concerts, I was on Twitter and, you know, trying to look at Periscope. So I, I was definitely, you know, looking at the set lists, lists every night and, and, and looking at people's comments. So, you know – you know, I knew it was going to be good, but I, I didn't know what kind of um, emotion was going to come out of it. And I didn't know what I would think about hearing, you know, like you said, you know, the next 20 songs that are going to be played. Um, but I, I thought I thought the, the, the pacing was great. I thought I thought hearing the river um, front to back was great. And then um, the crowd in Phoenix that night um, was uh very appreciative, and I, I've been to several shows here um, in Phoenix, and sometimes uh, the, the the crowds uh, have been a little quieter and not not as into the music, but they were really into the and 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 I and I know they weren't all Phoenicians. I know there's a lot of people that are traveling from shows to shows, but but that that the crowd was top notch that night, and I think that 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 made a difference. Um, the uh, right after wreck on the highway, um, when he did the set B and and started with Badlands, um, it was almost like uh, another burst of energy had had gone through the crowd, and it, it was it was very exciting. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm going to ask you what I often ask. Um, you've seen him multiple times. Um, are you, if you have to pick, um, do you like the E Street Orchestra, you know, with the E Street on steroids with the <laughs> right. big thing? Yeah. Or the new, and, you know, it's hard to say that's the Slend Down because that's a massive band, even the one they've got right now, it the is. core group. Right. Um, do you have a preference for one or the other? 
You know, um, I like them both, but I really like the horns. I and, do too. And through the years, I'd pro- you know, I, I, I do like them both, but like one of my favorite tours, if not the favorite, was the Tunnel of Love Tour Express uh, back in 1998 mm-hmm. that, had the, that he brought the horn section with him. Um, I, I will say that um, for the, the tours that were in like 2012, uh, 2013 overseas and 2014 for the songs that came off um, Wrecking Ball and the songs that came off High Hopes I think you needed the orchestra I do too and I, and I, you, you really um, the, I thought that was the perfect ensemble uh, for the for those two albums um, but I, I, I do like the I do like the lineup coming out mm-hmm. now and, and they sound great um, they you know, John, I totally agree with you. They sound wonderful. They sound big. It sounds full. Um, so I totally agree. Um, anything surprise you? Now you go in knowing those twenty songs, yeah. But and you've you've shared that you've done Periscope, you've read reviews. But was there anything that surprised you? How much it touched you, or it moved you, or that you enjoyed? You know, um, what what surprised me, and one thing that I didn't do before the show is I didn't I didn't listen to any of the the live downloads. I didn't want to hear a whole show. I just wanted to, you know, get little snippets of it from. Oh, that's Twitter nice. Periscope. Yeah. What what was what, I guess the moment that um, that I well, first of all, the two songs that I, I really liked off the river were Jackson Cage and The Price You Pay. And the price you pay was played a little bit more up tempo than what you hear on the mm-hmm. uh, album, and I, and, I, and I like that. And then uh, I was also, um, uh, well, let's let's Jesse, let's talk about a comment that I've heard other people say about he needs to play deeper cuts um, on on the on the set B. Right. And and because and I and I know people that go to you know go to multiple shows. Um, Maybe feel like, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to hear deeper cuts. Um, but before the show, I actually had an extra ticket, and I was able to um, meet a gentleman who's 53 years old. Uh, his name was Mitch, and he was he he came down to the arena by himself because he said, I've never seen Bruce Springsteen, and I want to see him. And he was a, a a big rock fan, and ta- and we were waiting in line, and he was telling me about some of the concerts he had gone to. And um, I didn't get to sit with him during the concert. The way it worked out was. At one time, I couldn't, didn't think I could get two tickets together because I was having such a hard time with Ticketmaster. And so I finally gave up trying to get two tickets and just tried to get a single. Well, I got a single, and then I tried back and got a pair. And so my wife and I went. We had a third ticket, a single ticket, that we sold to this gentleman, Mitch. And and he was so excited for the show. And, and I think you've said it too, Jesse. There's a lot of people that have never seen Bruce before. And... I want them to have a good experience and, you know, we, you know, us hardcore fans, we can always, you know, dig through, you know, the archives to find concerts. Yes. Um, so I, so I don't have a problem with him playing the more popular hits. Um, uh, but of those more popular hits, the ones that I was really pleasantly surprised he played was Lonesome Day. And I know that wasn't a tour premiere, Yeah. Um, but it, but that's a song that I've always enjoyed. So I was, I was, I was glad to hear that. 
and then uh, Candy's Room, which once again, that's been played a few times on this tour. Um, but once again, that, that sounds great live. So th those were great to hear. And then I guess if there was one, one thing that surprised me, um, going back to your original question, Jesse, uh, Bruce's speech after, after Wreck on the Highway that talks about, you know, the river is about time and that we have a finite amount of time. And because of that finite, finite, finite amount of time, you know, that that's our opportunity, you know, to do our jobs, to, to raise our family, to be good citizens. That, that really struck a chord with me. Um, and, and maybe it did because, you know, the album came out 35 years ago and it came out as um, I didn't understand some of the stories in the album when I was 16 years old that I do now that I'm 51. And so uh, the way he wrapped up the, 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 the river with his speech about time and, 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 you know, doing things when you have a limited amount of time, that, that really made me feel good. Um, I have the same experience about Independence Day. Um, you know, he tells the story about how as a young person you're only seeing the compromises your, fam your, your parents make and then – it's implied very strongly that now then he's looking from the father's point of view and um and and i'm really touched by it um i have said this many times and i will stand by it i think it's something really beautiful to see a 66 year old artist go back and review something he did in his 30s and that fresh perspective and sharing, um, I totally agree with you. It's something pretty special. Yeah. And yes, I will repeat my statement. Um, every Bruce show is someone's first Bruce show. And so they want to hear Born to Run. You know, they, they want to hear Dancing in the Dark. They want to hear Badlands. And why shouldn't he play it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, your wife, is she a fan or do you have a mixed marriage? You know, Jesse, I got to say mixed marriage. Okay. Um, so she went to the show with me a few weeks ago, but that was actually the first concert she had been to since the Magic Tour. Okay. Uh, she had seen, she's seen the show on the Magic Tour back in 07. And um, in fact, before last time, I kind of just, the, the four previous shows I'd seen, I'd, I'd gone by myself. Um because I said, you know what, uh, and, and she would have been happy going with me, but um, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to drag her along. And, and she likes Bruce. She doesn't listen to the album. She really enjoys the concert, and she liked the river. Um, she's the type of person that's more, um, uh, you know, she she wants to read a good book as opposed to, you know, putting headphones on and listening to music. Um so yeah. between my wife and I've got I've got two kids I've got a, a, a twenty year old and an eighteen year old and I, I think they're they're all Bruce neutral they they okay. don't they don't like him and they know I they know I'm crazy about him so, so I've been vocal about this um, I have two tickets to Oklahoma City and my twenty seven year old is going with me oh, that's for his first Bruce show. That's this Sunday, right? Yes, and he's he's excited. He um you know, he's uh, he's heard me talk about it so much and he's 
he's made fun of me and kind of joked around, but he's picked up a few songs that he's, you know, kind of loves. And so he's really excited. He's, in fact, we're planning to um, record a road podcast on the way up. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> and great. Then, uh, then we'll record after the show and see if his different thoughts. So that'll be up. That'll be fun. That's good. Yeah. And, and I have taken my son's gone to two shows with me and uh, he went to see one of the shows on the, the magic tour. And then he saw uh, one of the shows from the working on a dream tour. And uh, yeah, he was younger then, but I, I, I noticed after the tour, you know, he had the CDs or he downloaded them yeah. and he was playing them. So, so it did, it, 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 it did have an influence on him, but uh you know, I think everyone has just different tastes. They do. And, you know, you also, you know, it's you don't necessarily want to embrace your parents' music. Um, but I do find it amazing how many generations, you know, it shows that are there. Yeah, and so I, I, I do see that. I, I would yeah. think, yeah, you're, you'd have a tendency to go opposite your parents. But then, like I said, I see a lot of pictures of on, on Twitter and uh Mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of a parent child, you know, yeah. going to the show together. So, so John, is there any, um, albums or songs that mean a great deal to you? You know, um, all the albums are great. I, yeah. I can't think of one album that's, that I don't listen to. I, I listen to them all, but my, my personal favorite album is, is darkness on the edge of town. I, I think those 10 songs, and the way they're sequenced on that album are uh, are, are by far my favorite. And and when I do, um, you know, when I do listen to Bruce's music, I, I like listening to live shows, and I'm I'm grateful that we have the official downloads. Oh, isn't that they, such they, a blessing? They sound so great. So yes. when I listen to Bruce, I'm either listening to a you know a, a, a large segment a large segment of a concert, or I'll listen to um, an, an album start to finish. But like I said. Darkness, those 10 songs, um, how they're sequenced, I just really enjoy. Um, probably my two favorite songs um, are, my two favorite Bruce songs are Factory and The Promise. Um, though I'm, I'm going to steal something from you, Jesse. I, 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 now I say I have three favorite songs, uh, Factory, The Promise, and whatever kind of mood I'm in to, to add that third song. Because that that third spot changes all the time depending on what's going on, um, but I I, I, I like Factory. Um, just the you know the, the, it's first of all the story about his father, and that you know you think about Bruce he's never really had a job. I, I don't think you can say being a rock and roll star right. as a job. I mean, and in fact, I think his comment was that's why they say you play in a band. You don't work in a band. You play in a band. But you know in that in that. Um, in factory when the line, you know, factory takes his hearing, factory gives him life. That just shows you that you know, you know, we all have to go out and we all have to you know support our family. We all need to go work for a living, um, and that can be a detriment to us, like you know, taking someone's hearing. Uh, but at the same time, that and particularly with males, it seems like. We need that job. We need that sort of uh, sense of responsibility to, to, to get us through lives, through our lives. It, it does. And, John, uh, so much of our 
well-being and our self-esteem comes from our role um and and sometimes it is um uh irma bombeck did a um a book about cancer uh several years ago and she talked about that in a lot of ways the dad has it the roughest because in these families the mom, if she did work outside the home, usually would leave that to be a full-time caregiver for the child with cancer. And so the dad had to continue to be the breadwinner and had all that responsibility, plus on top of it, all the worries and concerns of his child and taking care of the family. Sure. And, and so I believe and, – and you were raised by a single mom, my dad – was in the army, so my mom, in all a lot of ways, was a single mom. So, in a, I think of her as my father as well, um, because she just a lot of the things that you can say about fatherhood, she fought and did, and I'm sure it's the same with your mom. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That is, um, that's those are both really cool, and um, I absolutely agree. I, I think. Um, you know, three. If you're gonna give me three, I got my two, and then the third one depends on it. Yeah, and you know, some of the ones that would maybe fall into that slot. Like I said, it changes all the time, but um, I, I've always liked to be true. Um, I think Rosalita is a phenomenal song. Um, I also like Lonesome Day, and I think uh, Land of Hopes and Dreams is is a, is a great song. The the the, the revitalized version of uh, Land of Hopes and Dreams that came on the Wrecking Ball album and then the band playing it live i think is 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 phenomenal yeah it is you know i'm on record that's one of my favorite songs and it is just my my heart soars and i love the idea that when he does it live he always this is land of hope and dreams i mean you know he doesn't introduce that many songs but it seems like every time he plays that he kind of gives calls it out, so uh, that's awesome. Um, so, John, is there anything that has been an influence? Obviously, your Bruce journey has been a long one, yes. and uh, but is there anything about your life or anything that Bruce has influenced you? Do you have any stories you want to share? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about it, Jesse, and and I know people have, have said this. Uh, cliche before but really his his music has been the soundtrack uh for my life and um you know know, john i'm going to interrupt you there's a reason why cliches become cliches (laughs) is because they're so true and yeah yeah, and absolutely i can um, i believe that i i think if anything um i think a lot of the themes in his music is to be uh is is um to be a good citizen and to be accountable to your community, to be accountable to your uh, your, your family and your friends, um, and, and 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 that's that's what I get out of those stories. So there there isn't necessarily one song that's been a big big influence on me, um, but I, I think those overriding themes that that have been woven through the music through the years. Um, you know, when you when you when you listen to the lyrics, they're they're, they're very personal, and these story these stories um, uh, are are just 
I just enjoy listening to. John, I totally agree that there is um, Bruce remembers his roots, both as a musician and as a person. I don't think he's ever forgotten where he came from as far as struggling and his family struggling. And I also believe he, you know, he said it sarcastically, but I think he means that we take care of our own is what he wants us to do. And he wants to be, um, you know, a prayer for our brothers and sisters. So uh, well said. Okay, so you've seen him a fair amount of times, but do you have any on your wish list that you haven't heard him do? Oh, boy. You know, I've got a couple, okay. uh, couple songs on my wish list, and you know what? They'll, they'll probably remain on my wish list. Um, I, the Promise being one of my favorite songs, it would be great to hear a, a full band version of, of The Promise. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath because I don't think uh, that'll happen. But And then the other song that I... I, I'll, I'll probably never hear, but I was I was hoping to hear it was um, uh, just like firewood off the High Hopes album. Um, I went to one show in 2014. It was actually the Houston show. I, I think you've talked about. We were that there, yes. Before. Yeah, and uh, so I, I didn't see a lot of shows on High Hope, but but um, I, I've heard that from like the official downloads, and I think just the the E Street Orchestra. Playing just like firewood is very, very sounds great. I would have, I would have uh, been happy to hear that live. Um, I would have loved it. I also would have loved uh, "This Is Your Sword." Um, I like that from High yeah. Hopes, and uh, yeah. So it, well, Jesse, I don't yeah. know if you know this, um, but if you uh, the the preliminary set list for Houston was going to open with "This Is Your Sword." Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I and, did see that, and then he scratched through and did seeds just because it has the word Houston. I did see that, and I was just going, oh, because yeah. like you, I try not to be overly critical, and just I whatever yeah. he gives me, he oh, never I know. disappoints and I, me. I'm, I'm that way too. But when it's that <laughs> close, when it's like, no, 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 this was on my list. Oh. Um. And, um. Now he he sound checked it at, at at Houston. Oh wow! So if you got there early because it's an outdoor arena, mm-hmm. uh, you could hear him sound check, and actually the sound was pretty good. He's, at that um, at Houston, he sound checked. Trying to think, I think it was just two songs, and the two songs were yeah. um, the the other one was um, Hunter of Invisible Game, oh. and they both sounded great. Oh, that's neat. So, but um, yeah, um, that was but, a great right, show. Jesse, you, and, and you just the, the catalog is so it is this this the catalog is so big that you just yeah and everyone loved the Houston show yeah so um no no complaints at all yeah um you know we got no surrender with the two brothers up there uh one step up it, yeah it was a great show and a, a good audience sometimes Texas you were talking about your friends there in Phoenix. Sometimes Texas can be a Dallas can be a little too, um, you know, subdued, you know, kind of doing some, yes, very nice. (laughs) Um, but I thought Houston, 
uh, was doing well, and I'm I'm curious how they're going to do Tuesday when I see them here in Dallas. So, um, well, this is great. I just have loved talking to you. This has been wonderful. Um, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? You know what? Uh, I think Twitter would be great. If you can okay. put my Twitter handle in the show notes. I will. Um, that'd and be that great. is? I, uh, it's uh, John, and it's, well, my first name is spelled J-O-N, but it's John underscore A underscore Munson. Okay. So you spell your name the correct way. Um, I have a very good friend, Tom Zoller, who spells it's T-H-O-M. Okay. So he always makes that joke when he sees someone with John because um, everyone misspells his Tom. So that is great. Um, thank you, John. This has been wonderful. And if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send us an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and a Twitter at setlustingbruce. Please check that out. We'd also appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. It does help people find us. And um, don't make me have to go search you out. Of course, I am really good at <laughs> stalking anyone who – halfway acknowledges me on Twitter or Facebook like, hey, you want to be on the podcast? Um, because I get to talk to great people like you, John. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, and as a fan of your podcast, um, I'd love to hear more stories from fans. Thanks. Uh, you know, you, like I said, we all have a story to tell. And uh, I, I look forward to getting a, a new episode um, weekly from from Set Lusting Bruce. So thanks for all the work that you do, Jesse. It is a true labor of love. It is. I do a lot of podcasts, but this is my favorite. I, I just That's love good. talking to people, and it just it, it brings me joy. And um, so one day I'm going to get a member of the E Street Band on. I'm just just that's that's my hope. So, but you know the truth is I just love talking to people. Just normal average fans and just hearing their story um as you said everyone's got a springsteen story and i just want to talk to them about it so that sounds great all right we're going to end it with end of the day factory whistle cries men walk through those gates with death in their eyes and you better believe boy someone's going to get hurt tonight it's the working the working just the working life thank you john thank you listeners we'll talk to you soon Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.